You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, good morning. It's good to be together. We have a Father who loves us. I'm going to pretend like I'm Matt Belcher right now. Can you say amen? amen. Okay, okay. We, we have a Father who loves us. And He loves to manifest His love in so many different ways. He has salvation, healing, deliverance, wholeness that flows from Him, from His love, from His compassion. And today we're going to be looking in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, we're going to look at a little part of chapter 10 and then really focus in on chapter 11. I know you would like for me to preach the whole book of Matthew, but this morning we'll just streamline it just a little bit. I want to continue for us to, to keep before us the different manifestations of the Lord's presence. Because anytime the Lord manifests, He's manifesting in a way that His love is being released in the earth. And so chapter 10 begins with, And He called His twelve disciples to Him, and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And so this is one of the first missionary journeys of the disciples. They've been watching Jesus now for some time, and now he is extending and releasing to them the authority to go out and to cast out demons and to heal the sick and every disease and sickness. And, uh, and so he goes on with his instructions in chapter 10. He, he gives them all the, the language, the specifics, the guidance, how, he's, how they're, they're approached the towns that they go into, how they're supposed to, as they have freely received, they're freely to release. It's the, another way of saying you can't give what you haven't received. If you don't have it, you can't give it. And as they have received it from the Lord, now they are to release it. What are they going to release? Well, part of it is the authority. The authority that the Lord has given them through him. And so we see that chapter 11 begins with after he gives the apostles his instructions, he sends them out. And then Jesus goes and he teaches and he preaches in the towns of Galilee. And while he's doing this, the disciples of John the Baptist come to him and they have the question coming from John's heart. And here's the question. Are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? John is in prison. He's wanting an affirmation. Yes, what he knows, he knows, he knows. And Jesus answered, said, give John this report. So here's the report that Jesus gives. The blind see again, the crippled walk, the lepers are healed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised back to life, and the poor and broken now hear of the hope of salvation. Wow. And tell John that the blessing of heaven comes upon those who never lose their faith in me, no matter what happens. Wow. Hmm. The miracles that Jesus did, he told his disciples that they would do. 
And we see that as they go out on this journey, they begin to taste that and experience that. And as, as they go out and they experience it, they come back and they are excited. We find that especially in Luke's gospel, that they come back and they're on cloud nine. They are so amazed that even the demons submit to us in your name and all the dynamics of ministry and the joy and the fun of it. Uh, if you haven't tried ministering to people, there's hurting people everywhere. Take a risk, step out, pray a prayer, see what the Lord does. So they're stretching out their wings. This is their first flight out of the nest. And uh, it's amazing as they, as they come back. But in the midst of that, John the Baptist has that question. Are you really the one or should we look for another? And it's by the things that Jesus did that he substantiates that he is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophetic words about what the Messiah would do particularly Isaiah 61. And, and here we see that Jesus, you know, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the dead are raised, those without hope receive life. And he's saying, my message is not one of condemnation, my message is one of life and healing. And so, Jesus presents to John's disciples. And he just says, you are eyewitnesses. You've come here to ask John's question. Now you see what's happening. You, on the testimony of what you've seen, you take that back to John and let him rest at peace. Let the affirmation that this is truly the manifestation of the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Messiah. And so they take off. In chapter 11, he goes on and he talks about the miracles, the signs and the wonders that were done in the cities. And as I looked at this, I thought, you know, miracles are supposed to have on, they're supposed to have an effect on us. They're supposed to have an effect on us and the city, the village, the town, the community that we live in. When you hear something that the Lord has done, it should have an impact on us. We find that the first impact that Jesus implies, and this is one of repentance, it should change the way we think. It should change the direction that we're going. It should cause us to turn from our sin when we see the manifest presence of Jesus, especially in a miracle, in a healing, in a sign or a wonder. The second thing that happens is it causes them to humble themselves. If, if you're ever a part of, a, of an experience where someone is being profoundly touched by the presence of God, his love that falls upon them, it will, it will bring a hum, humility it will bring a brokenness. It's almost like Isaiah in chapter six, where he says, woe is me, I am undone. I have come unraveled in the presence of the Holy God. I remember years ago when I first experienced that, uh, Mickey Robinson was first time ministering up in, in, in Broad Ripple 
uh, at Broad Ripple Christian Fellowship, a meeting that Deverne Fromke had of several leaders here in the central Indiana area. And as we were there, Mickey was sharing and the Lord gave Mickey a word for Deverne. Now Deverne was kind of like the leader of the leaders for this region. And he so graciously looked at Deverne and said, I believe I have a word from the Lord for you with your permission, I'll give it. And I'm sitting right behind Deverne, right about where Linda is. And Deverne was right there. And Deverne gave him permission and he started prophesying the word of the Lord to Deverne. I was undone. The word wasn't to me, the word was to another person, but the manifestation of the presence of God through that prophetic utterance, that prophetic word to Deverne, it filled the room with his presence. And as the presence of the Lord radiated there, I just started crying. I was crying and crying and crying. And then I realized I hear someone else sobbing and it was Deverne. And I, Deverne's a German. German heritage, they don't cry. And the presence of the Lord and the tears were coming and it was amazing. And I was absolutely undone. See, w w when you're around a miracle, one of the manifestations, you may just be moved to humility and wanna fall on your face in front of the Lord. It's kind of like Peter on, on the miraculous catch of fish. He falls before the Lord and says, I'm an unclean man, I'm a sinner depart. It brings us to our knees when there's a, a miracle, a manifestation, some, something of the Lord that just is off, off the grid. Other times you see someone and they get healed and now they have the use of body parts that they didn't have before. And there is joy, there's rejoicing, there is excitement, there is just a, a, an enthusiasm in theos, in God. God's presence pregnates the atmosphere and the environment and you are on fire. You just are rejoicing in what the Lord has done. See, the Lord is now looking at all the places that he'd gone and the miracles that he'd done. And there hasn't been a release of what I would call a revival. There hasn't been a turning back to the Lord. There hasn't been a, a, a repentance that causes them to change the way they're perceiving life, themselves, God, the community of faith. You know, these are the things that there's, there's not a humility that now how we relate to one another is not how can I use you to get what I need instead of how can I take what the Lord's given me to serve the needs in your life. And so the, the dynamic there and, and the woes, you know, it's kind of depressing when you look at those things. But Jesus expected a different result from the miraculous in the presence of the towns and cities and villages where he did his miracles. Yes. Jesus says in John 14, verse 11, 
Well, the third point is that it's supposed to return to God and it's supposed to release faith to believe. We should be believing. And here Jesus goes on to speak in, in John 14, 11, he says, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Implying that the miracles are supposed to cause you to believe that God is in Jesus and that Jesus is in God. In John chapter 12, verse 37, it says, even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. I don't know anything that grieves my heart anymore than when the Lord shows up and he, and he releases a supernatural event in our midst and it doesn't have a, an effect. It doesn't change. It doesn't cause us to believe. So this gets us now to the text for today. In verse 25, this would be the Passion Translation. <clears throat> Jesus gives a prayer of thanksgiving. Then Jesus exclaimed, Father, thank you for you are Lord, the supreme ruler over heaven and earth. And you have hidden the great revelation of your authority from those who are proud and wise in their own eyes. Instead, you have shared it with those who humble themselves. Yes, Father, your plan delights your heart as you've chosen this way to extend your kingdom by giving it to those who have become like trusting children. You have entrusted me with all that you are and all that you have. No one fully and intimately knows the Father except the Son, and no one fully and intimately knows the Father except the Son. But the Son is able to unveil the Father to anyone he chooses. Are you weary carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me and I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I am gentle, humble, and easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. So in this prayer, Jesus is praying and giving thanks to the Father, but he's also given us an invitation for refreshment. <clears throat> the disciples have been out, they've ministered, they've, they've received the authority that the Father had given Jesus and Jesus had given them. They've gone out in his name, they brought healing, they brought deliverance, they brought the good news, they brought salvation to, to villages. <clears throat> and now, Here's an opportunity for some refreshment. First, notice in the prayer that Jesus addressed God as Father. One of the main things that Jesus has taught us, when we pray, we're not talking to some impersonal God, some being that is out there somewhere, but we're speaking to a personal deity that is our Father, our Creator. He is the one who is supreme. He is the Lord over everything. And he is the one that's doing things the way he wants to do them. It's his delight. He's chosen to do the things that he does because it delights him. Hmm. 
I like that. <clears throat> I like doing things the way I like to do them. That gives me great delight. And if Debbie will concede, that's double delightful. And it's kind of like when, when the father is doing it the way he delights in doing it, and we come alongside and we surrender, we yield, we conform, we say, yes, Lord, let's do it the way you want to do it. It's amazing what happens. So what is it that he does? Well, it's been his delight to hide the great revelation of his authority. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Once again, it's an issue of authority. We gave up our authority in the garden and we gave it to the evil one. But now Jesus has come to reestablish God's original authority and he becomes the second Adam that shows us what we look like when we walk in Father's authority. And so it's hidden. And as we humble ourselves, as we surrender ourselves, we begin to experience more and more of the authority of the Lord. The way he chose to extend his kingdom and release his authority is by those who humble themselves and those who are like trusting children. You don't have to have a PhD to walk in kingdom life. You, you don't have to have a superior intellect. All you have to do is have the trust of a child. And when you begin to understand, when you begin to see God as your father, then you begin to trust in him. And as you trust in him, you humble yourself. <laughs> Jesus says, Father, you have entrusted me, Jesus, with everything that you have and everything that you are. Jesus has received the full endowment of God the Father, all his authority, all the realm and right to rule. And he goes on to say that to know the Father the way I know the Father can only be revealed to you. No one knows the Father the way the Son knows the Father, and no one knows the Son the way the Father knows the Son. But, oh, I love that divine conjunction, the but of God. But, <laughs> the Son is able to unveil the Father to anyone he chooses. Wow. I don't know about you, it makes me want to say, Lord Jesus, I want a greater unveiling of the Father in my life. Holy Spirit, you've come to glorify Jesus. Jesus sent you to the earth to bring to remembrance everything that you said and taught. And here he's telling us that he has the authority, he has it all, and that he can unveil the revelation of the Father. Mm, to anyone he chooses. And so the last part of this is an invitation. You can't help but go to the message translation of this portion of scripture. 
I think it is just so rich. And so Eugene Peterson translates it this way. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Do you realize this is the only place in the New Testament where Jesus says, come to me? Everywhere else where there's an invitation, it's an invitation to follow me or to come and see. But here is the invitation in the midst of the fatigue to come to him with your weariness. Get away with me and you'll discover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Hmm. I think so many times we get so confused in what it takes to, quote, walk in the authority of the Father and the Son. As Jesus has given his authority to his disciples, he gives it to us through his Holy Spirit. And as we receive it, it seems like we, we have a tendency to make it so complicated and so complex. And yet we find that there's two simple things. One, to humble ourselves. And two, to trust him like a child trusts his parent. It's not to know Greek or Hebrew. It's not to have your theology completely systematized. But it's simply to humble ourselves and to trust. That qualifies you to minister in his name, to pray a prayer for the miraculous to take place. The mustard seed of faith moves the mountain. And so we, we find as we prepare our hearts to receive communion today, we wanna go to the place of invitation and respond to the Lord's invitation to come and to learn how to rest in him, to learn the unforced rhythms of his grace, to realize it's not a performance issue, it's not a knowledge, a head knowledge issue, it's an experience, experiential relational dynamic of just knowing and trusting and humbling ourselves and watching him do what he does. I'm gonna give Bob Combs just a little bit of a heads up after we take communion, I'd like for Bob to come and share some testimonies that he experienced, uh, I believe it was yesterday, and, uh, and bless, bless you. So let's take Lord Jesus, we just want to say thank you. <laughs> thank you for the full cooperation with Father's delightful purposes. The mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory, just the revelation of the authority that is ours, that has been extended to us 
by you, Lord Jesus. So Holy Spirit, we give you place. We say we take that bread of life, <laughs> the bread is the children's bread, the bread of healing. And as we eat the bread, Lord, we pray first that you would release healing in our own bodies, and then you would release healing through our bodies to others. And we receive this bread with thanksgiving. We take and eat in remembrance of you. And as we receive the cup, Lord, we say, let the sanctifying, delivering, cleansing power of the blood release life and all its manifest fullness in our, in our lives today. And then as we receive it, Lord, we pray that you would release it in and through us, that we would release the power to deliver, to bring freedom to the ones who are captive, that we would bring hope and good news, that we would release the sanctifying, purifying, loving presence of Jesus and the earth to others. And so we take and drink in remembrance of you. For those watching online, we're so glad you were with us today. If uh, the Lord released a healing to you, please uh, let us know, contact us so that we can rejoice and share that among us. Uh, he's doing a lot of wonderful things here today. Know that the Lord loves you. And it's just that simple. His compassion, His goodness, the authority that He's released to us. Let's walk in the fullness of the authority of each and every believer. In Jesus' name, God bless. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.